You're listening to the Opportunity Zones podcast. Get ready to grow your wealth with insights and strategies for qualified opportunity fund investors. And now here's your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm Jimmy Atkinson. Now, most Opportunity Zones are pretty plain vanilla real estate deals. We love those plain vanilla real estate deals. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, But my guest today has an OZ deal that I would say is anything but plain vanilla. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. If you like operating business, or maybe you have an interest in precious metals, uh, you may really enjoy today's conversation. Joining me on the show today is the CEO of the Wyoming Reserve Opportunity Zone Fund Corporation, Josh Fair. And Josh is coming coming to us today from Casper, Wyoming. Josh, welcome to the show. Great to see you. Happy to have you here. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing doing uh, doing well. So staying staying warm uh, in these Wyoming winters. So this is my my second uh, on the books. So um, excited to be here and talk talk OZs. Excellent, awesome. And uh, Josh, uh, my audience might be somewhat familiar with you. I have an audience of Opportunity Zone investors and advisors, and and they may be familiar with the Wyoming Reserve because we did cover. Uh, you and your press release last month on our OZ News Hour show. But for anyone who may be unfamiliar, maybe they're new to the program or they they didn't catch up on that last episode of OZ News Hour, can you briefly explain a little bit about your background at Scottsdale Mint and what the Wyoming Reserve OZ Fund Corporation is all about? Yeah, sure. I'll kind of explain how how I got here, why I'm in Wyoming, and why we're talking. So yeah, please do. I I used to do corporate risk management for mining companies, some of the biggest copper, gold, silver mining companies in the world. Fell in love with the metal space, and then in 2008, so just over 15 years ago, started what's now known as Scottsdale Mint. So I'm the uh, the f- uh, founder and CEO of, of of Scottsdale Mint. Scottsdale Mint is actually a manufacturer. Uh, for uh, of precious metals, gold coins, silver coins, and bars for foreign governments. So we produce uh, legal tender coinage here in the United States for smaller countries all over the Caribbean, uh, a lot of the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth. We do a lot of the South Pacific, some in Africa. Um, so we we are actually striking legal tender uh, coinage uh, for roughly 25 uh, nations. We also do stuff for private banks. So if you're if you're in Canada and you were to walk into a bank branch, let's say you're in Toronto, uh, you walk into a, 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 a TD bank, there's a and you buy a silver bar uh, from the bank there. It's a there's a good chance that was actually produced by my my company, and have spent a lot of time in Singapore, Dubai, Geneva, and looked at how those jurisdictions in the world have created really interesting tax. Um, you know, cap gains, deferrals, or exemptions, and just just different incentives for people to make investments. And I I said to myself, this was about three years ago. I want to create something in the United States uh, that that is involving precious metals that could have some tax benefits. So I purchased a building uh, almost almost three years ago in Casper, Wyoming. So the company's was was based in Scottsdale, Arizona. And and I'm, the the mint is still operating down there uh, as of right now. Um, but this building that I'm coming to you from today is owned by the Scottsdale Mint. So this our our OZ fund is not a real estate play. So the the the, the real estate here is owned by uh, the mint ownership. We're and we're building out what will be about a seventy thousand square foot facility. We're currently in operation, 
and, and producing um, uh, producing product here as of just about six months ago. And what 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 I created with a team, uh, roughly eight eight lo- uh, eight law firms, um, Deloitte, uh, four of us, two different accounting firms, um, have have really took took the better part of roughly two and a half years to structure, structure this deal. And like you said, uh, you saw the press release. It is a, it's a product that's actually being syndicated out through the wealth offices. So it's going to be with the RIA firms and, and the, the, to, to hit those levels, to, to get the due diligence done, it took a lot of, it took a lot of, uh, a lot of steps. So what is the Wyoming Reserve Opportunity Zone Fund? Well, first and foremost, we're a vault. We're a high security vault. So we're armed, uh, armed physically, uh, heavy duty, some of the highest grade classes uh, vaults in the world. Uh, so for, for those that aren't familiar with what a vault operation is, uh, the big names, you probably heard of Brinks. Uh, the other ones is, is Loomis. Those are, those are some of the big, big, big vaults, uh, vault operators around the world. They move the cash for banks, uh, for the Federal Reserves. Uh, and they're they're moving uh, they're moving um, a lot of the gold and silver from the mines to the refineries to the end users. They're doing the diamonds. They're doing all these things. And you know, going back to going back to having spent a lot of time in Singapore at the Freeport, I wanted to create something similar, but do it a U.S. style. So the Wyoming Reserve is a vault operation uh, that is an OZ, and we're also in a foreign trade zone. So we're we're currently uh, in process to be designated um, later this year as a freeport operation, which means our vault operation will also be essentially a a like a bonded facility that would not be subject to duty customs duties and tariffs for for various things. So, and I can get into why that might be interesting in the in the years ahead. Our our vault operation though is a lot different. Than, than what a Brinks or a Loomis would. So while the vault may hold uh, governments, it might hold states' assets, it might hold private um, private assets uh, in a third party. Think of it as real estate. You know, from um, if you're uh, if you if you have let's say store you're a storage container company and you you're you're doing it through U-Haul or all these different storage companies. You, you basically are breaking down. You know, how many acres do you have and how many containers and how many doors. We do the, we essentially do the same thing, except we are going by cubic cubic inches, and how much can we insure? So we're going off of uh, basically how much insurance limits can we get through Lloyd's of London, and that that's a carefully crafted thing. So think of it as an annuity business. Someone someone that wants to stick something to high net worth. Uh, let's say they want to stick you know uh, millions of dollars in in this storage and have it fully insured. It's probably going to be parked here for for it could be a decade decade and more, and you charge a slight a slight fee. So that's what the Wyoming Reserve does as its first and foremost. What makes is it a this, little sorry, bit- sorry sorry to interrupt. Is it, it can I kind of consider this almost akin to a very specialized self storage deal almost like, but instead of storing boxes of your old crap in there or maybe your RV in there, you're you're storing precious metals, gold, jewelry, and the like. Yeah, and I'll and I'll get into it. So and it's a little bit more active. It actually almost okay. becomes similar to what a bank or a Amazon distribution facility would do, and provide other services in relation to the to the storage as well. So what what so let's say you were a a uh, a, a bullion dealer, for example, and you had 
your your Jimmy Jimmy's Coin Shop and Jimmy's Coin Shop, you wanted to have a product made with your brand on it, similar to how a car dealership, let's say you're Ford, right? Uh, you're a Ford dealer. You probably don't own most of the trucks and cars on your lot. It's financed probably through Ford Credit. Most most uh, dealerships are are financed through various means of of, of financing. Well, this vault operation, what makes it really special and really unique is it owns over 90% of its assets is intangible physical metal in gold and silver. So, and it, and it can be in any form. So it could be in the raw material or it can be in finished goods. So going back to our discussion about Jimmy's coin shop, Jimmy's coin shop, you've got a big sales team and you want to have, let's say $10 million of, of, of product with your brand on it. Well, it can be held in the Wyoming Reserve. It can be manufactured with your name on it, held on the balance sheets of the Wyoming Reserve. And by holding it, we charge you a small interest rate that we would call metal availability. And so instead of instead of loaning it and sending it to you, we're unsecured. If we hold it in our vault, it's now secure. And then as your sales team goes and sells down that $10 million each week, let's say you have a good week, you sell two or three million, you would pay the Wyoming Reserve for that metal, and then the Wyoming Reserve would provide fulfillment services similar to what Amazon would. So let's say you didn't even want to touch it. You just wanted Jimmy's Coin Shops to get uh, packages direct. We would white label and ship it directly to your, cons- your so customers. So you would, you, would, you would pour the gold into some sort of mold. You'd stamp my face on it, right? And then you'd drop yeah. ship it to my customers. So that would, already, that, that would be done. That would be done by another company. That would be already done. That would be done through Scottsdale Mint. So Scottsdale Mint is a manufacturer, and we're in the same we're in the same building. So think of it, think of it as a large building, and the Wyoming Reserve just leases a small a, a small amount of of the uh, of the of the building, and it has its own vault. So the Wyoming Reserve owns the vault and everything inside of it. So Jimmy's Coin Shop contracts Scottsdale Mint to make the coins and bars. It goes down the hallway into the vault. It's owned by the Wyoming Reserve. And as Jimmy's Coin Shop uh, goes and buys, we now ship and fulfill either to your coin shop directly or to your customers. So this is where we're at. We're we're a distribution facility and we're creating yield. So this this raw material that we bring in um, of gold and silver, it would be already refined. So it's it's coming from other banks or refineries. And then a lot of that feedstock is going to be sold to the to Scottsdale Mint, and then financing Scottsdale Mint's customers on on the way out the door. So those are those are little ways to create. Um, you can kind of start to see where how we stay in compliance with with the Opportunity Zone is we're holding tangible physical property, but we are not stagnant. It is always turning. So this this metal we can continually keep it moving. Um, so while it does third party storage long term, that's not what the Wyoming Reserve owns. We we just we we obviously just make like you mentioned, uh, we're we're a storage a storage fee business, but on our assets of the Wyoming Reserve, we're able to create yield. I always say, you know, one one of the knocks of why against gold and silver, and there's a lot of reasons we can cover it why as to why people want to invest in it. A lot of times people say, well, if I own it, it just sits on the shelf. It doesn't create any it doesn't create any yield or extra interest. So when when you're inside of, of a business operation, you better you better bet that we've got the ability to create a little bit yield above just obviously metal that's, that's sitting on the shelf because we're we're creating a, a, a lot of things. So 
realistically, we we wanted to create something, and I, 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 I've got it, that we, we wanted to reduce tax liabilities. So as we look at as we look at uh, reasons for why would people need or, or want to, to to invest in this, we want to reduce tax liabilities um, from investment. We want to manage portfolio risk. We want to create liquidity, which we'll, we'll cover in a little bit. And we wanted to um, grow during uncertain times. We are in, this has been one heck of a decade so far. I think we can all look forward and say, we don't know what's coming. Um, a lot of us, you're starting to see the layoffs are starting to hit the tech sector over the last few weeks. Um, and then, you know, realistically, how do we create returns? So if we're if we're looking at as gold and silver as insurance, first and foremost, that's how people traditionally will will look at it. We're also saying how do we create how do we create yield and 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 a, a way to earn earn on it as well. And I would say, you know, people typically are going into precious metals for a diversifying against the let's say the US dollar for example. So a lot of the a lot of the problems that we have today were created by government uh you know stepping into the uh the medical crisis of um and then they they in turn create an economic crisis and they just printed too much. And so now you've got a situation where you know inflation is rampant everywhere and people are really struggling to keep up with you know wage inflation, um cost inflation and now you add uh, I think one of the biggest the biggest hurdles right now for traditional real estate OZs is interest rate risk. So deals that were attractive when someone was trying to work on it, the cap rate isn't isn't looking so good. So we're really uh, approaching a different uh, a different a different time. And and the beauty of our OZ is we have no interest rate risk. We are not we are not taking on debt to buy and develop and 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 to do these things. So we have we we have a pretty interesting. Uh, I think we have a pretty interesting offering here. Yeah, we have a lot to unpack, a lot to discuss. It sounds like a lot of different threads we could pull on. First thing I want to turn to, though, is a two-part question about Opportunity Zones. One, I want to know what led you to Opportunity Zones in the first place. And then part two of the question is, uh, how were you able to structure this as an Opportunity Zone deal? Yeah, excellent question. So going back to the whole, like, what what do other countries offer? What what are some interesting interesting scenarios? And and realistically, um, was really drawn drawn actually to what was going on also in Panama. Panama created a precious metals zone. They're trying to create something that's similar to Dubai, where you go from Europe. Uh, the idea is you stop over to Dubai on your way to Singapore or Southeast Asia, and it and hopefully people go there. They stop and shop. Um, and and spend money. So Panama has an interest of kind of being the stopover between North and South America, um, but I don't know Spanish, so I'm like, you know, that that was a, that was a risk factor that that I'm like, you know, um, that's a learning curve I could get taken. And I'm a big fan of America um, uh, business. Um, you know, we're going through some tough times, but it doesn't mean we're completely lost. I think the world. The, all the world is going through tough times. No, no place is immune to to problems. But I still think we're the greatest country there is, um, and and so I wanted to kind of look at at ways that people were being creative. So I, I've watched the story of Opportunity Zones evolve from when it was a bipartisan past, you know, when Trump was under office, and 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 how you know people have really uh, are, are looking at ways to to apply economic incentives. So I wanted to create something that was a little bit similar to what I've seen in Dubai. And and Singapore, and and uh, and Panama, and but look to how can it be applied here in the states. So I found 
in Casper, Wyoming, uh, a, a the foreign trade zone and an OZ in the same in the same facility. So that's really kind of what we've done to, to marry it all up. Um, Wyoming is also one of the best states for business. It's it's a low tax to no tax state. Um, they're very pro business here. They love commodities. It's a it's an energy intensive state. Um, good labor uh, pool. It's a metalworking state. So Casper's big into oil, gas, and and in basically pipeline business to service that that industry. And this was just kind of a nice place that you know most people most most large vaults um, are in New York City, and a lot of people forget. Uh, when 9-11, the basement of, of the towers had billions and billions of dollars of precious metals. And that was a big problem. It was all recovered, but what a mess. And so I think, you know, people are looking at where where are my assets stored all around the world? And jurisdiction is important. And this is, I, I think, a, a situation where certain states have not fared very well since COVID um, and, and how they, they dealt with shutdowns and their, you know, unfunded liabilities you know there's going to be tax changes in certain states. Uh, there's and so you know businesses are now moving, leaving California, and New York. They're going to you know obviously the the big the big names you've heard of are obviously Florida and Texas, probably some of the biggest um, biggest uh, beneficiaries. And and obviously Wyoming, there's only a half million people here, and so to put a high security vault in a place that doesn't have the same gang problems uh, and and other other problems as other parts of the world was was a fairly attractive. Um, so. That's why I kind of got got to the point of wanting to create something that was special and unique to provide some some tax incentives and had to bring in uh, 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 I brought in a, a good a good friend of mine um, who's who's also serves as the general counsel for 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 Scottsdale Mint um, and basically said hey let's go hire some of the best securities counsels and the, some of the best OZ consultants that we can tell us what we can't do. And tell us how we can do something to put this together. And so we're we're we're, we're really excited to have uh, what what has now just gone out to to the public for a fifty million dollar offering. Insiders, we put in I think somewhere around eight. I think we're maybe close to nine right now. So we just have announced it as you, as you mentioned a few weeks ago. Uh, and that's that's something that I think actually oh, there's a conference going on in in Atlanta. Um, with a registered investment through a, through a broker dealer network, so this this is a product that is going to be evergreen. So we're able to we're able to uh, you know finish around, complete it, and then we we, we strike a new we strike a new uh, we a new we get audited financials. We strike uh, strike a new stock price, uh, and and we keep we can keep growing and growing without diluting uh, diluting our investment base. Now, we can definitely cover that in a little bit. Sure. And well, what is the investment? Exactly, because an an OZ fund can't hold gold and silver directly. I'm not suggesting that that's what you're doing, but you, you mentioned Scottsdale Mint. You mentioned the Wyoming Reserve, which is the storage and shipping and fulfillment business. Essentially, what if if well, if I'm an OZ investor and I'm coming into your deal, what is it specifically that I'm getting access to? Yeah, so the the key is the Wyoming Reserve can own gold and silver because it is considered a it's considered qualified opportunity zone property mm -hmm. because it is always in it's always for sale and it's and it's circulated it's moving so the Wyoming reserve essentially can can hold as much gold and silver as it needs to serve its customers all over the world so if it's if it's handling uh, a state it's handling um banks it's handling uh refineries uh working with working with with bullion shops it's 
it's able to hold uh, precious metals. So 90, 90 plus percent of our funds capital is going to be held in precious metals. And that's, that's where the, um, some of the alpha really kind of gets created out of it. So outside of the vault, it's just everything inside the vault. And, and that, that, that process of just owning that metal and always continually turning it is, is critical to staying, staying in compliance. And you've, you said you've worked with eight law firms, two accounting firms over the past two years to get this deal structured and arrive at uh, a level of comfort um, where you can show investors, hey, here's who we've worked with. Here's their take on the situation. Because it, it is a little, it was a head scratcher for me when I first heard about it. I'll be honest with you, Josh. I'm like, how are these guys in compliant? This doesn't, this doesn't seem right. But you have uh, uh, some sort of comfort letter, I believe, from from your attorney group is is that correct? You can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, our we have a so our investors, if they were to be interested, we do have a legal opinion letter. So we originally got a memo that allowed us to kind of continue to go forward. We do have an opinion letter that says um, that we are we are structured correctly. And as I mentioned, the largest accounting firm in the world handles our tax. And I think the, the I think this kind of shows uh, we we want to do this the right way. Uh, we want to do this the right way. Our our hope is that one day there's the the chance where we've got thousands of investors and possibly hundreds of millions of dollars is where we're we're wanting to to go. And you got to do it right. You got to do it the right way and making sure every step of the way to to do it. So we've done a lot of due diligence. Um, our 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 vault is we uh, we, we just completed last last month. We, we are audited. Uh, and we're actually going to be one of the few vaults in the world that's going to do third-party quarterly audits, even on our third-party battle. So a lot of a lot of vaults in the world don't do that. So what what we're doing is running this as close to a publicly traded company as we can in terms of compliance. So we're compliant with Finra and SEC, and we're doing everything we can um, to 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 run this run this thing correctly so that we can be in business for you know 10, 20, 30 plus years is is the goal for this. So obviously. The um, the QOZ has benefits, right? You know, there's the deferment here in the next few years, and then and then there's the hold the whole period of ten years. And I forgot to mention, we're also a qualified small business stock for the first fifty million in. So we're a QSBS and an OZ hybrid. So that way, way that would mean is is an, is an OZ investor would be able to defer just like they would in a traditional OZ, but instead of having to do a wait for a ten year hold, it's a five year hold. And any gains upon sale above that after five years is completely tax-free. So up to $10 million. So this is, it's a pretty interesting hybrid here to, to create, especially in the world that the world that we're in right now. Yeah, that's a QSBS Qualified Small Business Stock Section 1202, if I recall correctly. I'll, I'll link to uh, some more resources about that in the show notes for today's episode, if any of my viewers or listeners may be unfamiliar with that. Uh, so oftentimes, Josh, I have a guest on here and, and we're talking about his opportunity zone deal. And most of the time, as I mentioned in the intro, it's a real estate deal. This isn't a real estate deal. So, you know, we don't really have cap rates to talk about. We don't really have, um, we, we don't need to talk about the insatiable demand for multifamily, but instead I want to talk about your worldview, essentially, as we sit here in early 2024, and you gave us a little glimpse into it um, over the, the course of the first 20 minutes or so of today's episode. But uh, I'm just curious, what is your worldview? Can you expand on that a little bit? And how do you believe investors can hold on to their wealth? I mean, essentially, I'm getting at, you know, why precious metals? 
not just not just overall across any time frame, but why precious metals specifically right now at this moment in time as we sit here talking about this in February of 2024? Yeah, so my personal worldview and why, why I'm in this industry is um, historically governments don't always act in the interests of individuals. And, and so, you know, you have to go above and beyond. Uh, you know, you're not going to learn anything in college that's going to make you um, super, super amazing. You got to go out and beat everybody else. And so realistically, if you look at the historical nature of fiat currencies, uh, they don't last forever. And the reality is, is our politicians in really in all countries, they just keep spending and spending and spending. And so this this adds a lot of troubles to 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 all things, including our own banking sector. I think th- about this time last year was when Silicon Valley Bank was about to hit. Uh, it was March of last year. And we saw Signature Bank and a few others. And the reality is, is there's more banks right now on the list to, to go under. I, I, I'm going to guess there's a lot of people watching today that reviewed what is an FDIC insurance limit and how does that apply? And then as people realize, oh boy, I may not have insurance, I, I've got exposure. And so suddenly people are doing uh, syndicating out to different bank accounts. They're doing overnight you know, repos uh, into treasury products. I mean, th- these are the things that hit us just last year, maybe for the first time in our lifetimes. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the only thing really on central bank balance sheets today outside of their own currencies that they they make up is gold. It's the only thing on on their balance sheets. And, and um, you know, just last week, um, Poland just bought more gold on their balance sheets. And, and I think it's interesting to see, you know, why did they do that? And we, we basically, the last two years have been 70 year highs by central banks buying gold on their balance sheets. So you're seeing an inflation of, of currency and spending of government, right? Um, and now they're talking about the world, you know, the, what does the word great reset mean to me? What does that mean to, to others? We don't really know. There's some like, you know, th- sometimes they tell us right on the on their on their own websites what these things means. But I think the reality is, is the financial system is breaking. It might be broken already. And and how is this, how is this all gonna play out? So why I'm in precious metals is it, it provides an alternative. I live in America, I, I work here, my retirement's here we're completely exposed typically to one currency. So just like you can hold on your, and you know, personally you can own euros, you can own Mexican pesos, you can hold yen. And sometimes it goes up and down. And as an international business, you you manage that. So Wyoming Reserve really does the same thing. So we hold tre- a treasury, uh, we have treasury assets, which, which can be gold and silver. We can also be in, in other treasury assets, just like any company and say, you know what, maybe we're holding, someone pays us in Euro, you're like, well, let's hold on to it for a month or two, just depending on where things are going. So I think as as we look at things, there there, there is risk no matter, no matter what, uh, no matter what industry you're in, and does that inflation or deflation of that product affect your core, your core business? And for some people, if your Starbucks and your coffee beans go up too much, you're going to have to raise prices on your your consumers. Or your we've seen in the airline industries they have to manage they have to manage the the, the price of fuel. And so you know, and at some point, if fuel gets too expensive too fast, you know, customers say, "I'm not I'm not traveling this month." So these are these are things that as we kind of look out and say, "I I can't I can't predict." But we can storyboard what may or may not happen um, in, in in the next number of years. And I think as as things are getting more and more uncertain, this is why people do turn to gold and silver. And traditionally, advisors, uh, financial advisors, they don't have any products to sell. 
And so the precious metals industry, it's gold and silver is in the trillions of dollars. And in on the private side, if you take out the central banks, it's in the mega billions. And I mean, mega billions of industry. And most of that's self-directed, meaning someone is someone is calling up their broker and saying, uh, wire me money to my account. And they're going and buying physical metal on their own and trying to figure out, is it in my house? Which which I'm a big proponent of having some, you can have some in your house uh, for, 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 you know, for bad times. But the reality is, is how much do you want in there? If someone walked in and, and put a gun to your, your, your wife or your child's head and says, Hey, give me all, give me all you got, you're going to hand it all over. And that's why vaults exist is for people that have, you know, six and seven, seven figures and up of, of metal. And they need it in a place that actually is insured where, where, and like I said, it's audited. It's 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 got all those things, and we can ship it to you. We can fulfill it to you. So those 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 vaults around the world are actually being created and built. Um, they're growing. Uh, banks own their own vaults. So J.P. Morgan has their own vault in New York City. And so a lot of a lot of people think, oh, Josh, you're 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 such an esoteric business. I'm like, no, not really. Um, J.P. Morgan, TD Bank, Bank of Montreal, all these guys are supplying the central banks and they either operate their own vaults or they use third party vaults. And so this is this is the, the frankly, this what what we offer as a, as a private solution to the problem that that's existing. And we just want to do it in a, a sleepier jurisdiction in, in Wyoming. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. <laughs> the JP Morgan Chase vault, uh, I think it's underground in New York City. I, I want to say maybe they have one underground in London as well. I'll try to find those and link to them in the show notes. Uh, you mentioned building vaults. That's what you're doing at the Wyoming Reserve. Uh, I'm just reading from your from your press release right now that you're commencing an offering of common stock and seeking to raise up to $43 million from accredited investors interested in potential tax advantages from qualified opportunity zone and qualified small business stock. The $43 million uh, what exactly is that going toward? Are you are you constructing a new vault? Are you expanding, or, or exactly what uh, what does that raise for? Yeah, so inventory. Okay, it's it's for inventory. So the the Wyoming Reserve has already built its vault. It's already here. It's already in operation. Um, so the 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 structure is already in place, and. I think it's a total of 50 million. And I think at the time it was right around 7 million. I think we're right around nine as right this minute. Um, just, and that's through insiders, friends and family. So that, that um, we're now being syndicated out just starting um, essentially later this month uh, there. I, I believe we're onboarding. Uh, I think there's several in pro we have one managing broker dealer and then there's several broker dealers being onboarded. So this will be this, the Wyoming reserve stock price will be, I, it'll be on the Schwab platform. It'll be on the Pershing platform. So a lot of these registered investment advisors are going to be offering this product. Um, we're, we're able to work obviously if, if people are, are interested in learning more, if they are accredited um, you, you can, they can come to our website and, and, and submit, um, and contact our our Carrie Davis, our director of investment relations, and and to take a look at our private placement memorandum. It it's it's a long one. It's good. We also have a deck that kind of just walks through some of the things that we're we're, we're talking about. Um, and and you know my lawyers would love me to say that all investments have risk. You can lose everything. But you know our our goal is we would like to try to beat the historical rate of return. And so people ask, well, what does gold and silver return? And and so if we look back. 
we look back to when you, you were allowed to own it in the United States was 1971. So before that, you could not, as a private individual, you were not allowed to own gold. And so 1971, um, President Nixon was the final um, final block or, or removal of any backing of precious metals with the U.S. dollar. And so at that moment, you were allowed to own it again. It has, on average, if you took a 50-50 blend of both gold and silver, it's returned right around 7% a year. So if we look at a historical rate of return, and that's through you know, times of, you know, I call boringness. Uh, you know, there's times where owning gold and silver aren't that exciting. Um, typically, it's exciting during times of, of big change, crisis, and uncertainty. So our hope is that we're able to, you know, not only hit those marks, but to hopefully exceed them. Well, that would be that would be pretty impressive. You and you and not only exceed them, but exceed them in a tax advantaged way. Also, kind of tying back yeah. into opportunity zones. You mentioned earlier that uh, the location in in Casper, Wyoming, is an opportunity zone. Obviously, so you're going to hold some precious metals inventory in the vault in Casper, Wyoming, in that physical That's location. Right. But that that location is also a foreign trade zone. You also use the term Freeport. What, can, you, can you go into a little bit more about what, what that is? What do those terms mean and yeah. why are yeah. those? Why, why is it so, important? Yeah, why is this important? Um, Freeports have been around since the Roman days. And so Freeports free are essentially, think of like, I think it really in the US, a lot of times people think of them more of bonded warehouses. So if you're, you're an alcohol company, you could import a bunch of tequila, or, or alcohol in and not pay taxes on it until it's removed. So if, if, if we are in a situation where we can um, offer a solution for someone that's able to store something and not pay taxes on it until it's removed from the zone, it, it, it becomes kind of interesting. So right now, gold and silver are not subject to um, – gold uh, tariffs or duties imports in, into the United States. But if that were to ever change, and there are some politicians running for office right now, even Donald Trump is talking about a 10% tariff on all things. This is where suddenly having a, a facility where you could bring it in and Scottsdale Mint could manufacture it and ship it back overseas, or it could be moved right down the hallway into the Wyoming Reserves vault and, and the customer would never have to pay tax on it. So these are these are some interesting things that we're looking at. Like I said, we are in the foreign trade zone and we are currently in process right now uh, with, with a law firm out of DC to, to for us to be an operator as a free port. And so this is, you, you probably heard it, free port for artwork all around the world. Um, artwork can come into these various free ports all around the world and someone could look at uh, a Picasso painting. I know that the one in Singapore boasts that they have, they host, they hold the most uh, Picasso paintings in the world. So the, the idea is if if you're, um, you want to see something in person, it could be flown in, um, in that facility. Someone could go and look at it. And let's say you didn't want to buy it. It could go back to Europe or, or somewhere else and, and not have to pay that in and out, in and out taxation. So, you know, I think th this is where as you put, as you put it up, like we're, we're essentially a warehouse, vault operation? What are the services that we can provide? Um, this vault operation will also be uh, working in the blockchain space. So while we're not going to be a cryptocurrency company, um, you, you folks have probably heard about fractionalizing of physical assets. So let's say someone has a very expensive multi-million dollar watch. It could be stored in our facility and fractionalized and sold as a non-fungible token, an NFT. 
And the state of Wyoming is sales tax free for NFTs. So in theory, our vault could be the custodian um, for that tangible product that could be then fractionalized and, and, and sold uh, in, in digital form. So our vault is really going to be playing in, I call it the old world and also the, the new world. And so this is something where, you know, if you're not, if you're not looking forward and saying where, where are things going to be in, in a number of years, you might get left behind. And this is something where, you know, uh, we're pretty excited about. We're in the right jurisdiction. Um, Bloomberg did a Bloomberg did about a 15 minute. Um, they did a 15 minute in, uh, video about where is the headquarters of, of cryptocurrency going to be for the United States? Is it going to be New York or Miami? And they said, nope, it's probably going to be Wyoming. So Wyoming already has most of the uh, custodial companies. A lot of the exchange, Kraken, um, just opened up uh, fairly recently, Kraken Bank here here in Wyoming. So it's, and I was misquoted once in a newspaper. They said that it's the lack of regulation in Wyoming. And I said, I said, no, no, no. It's the fact that they have good regulation. So Senator Lummis, you probably heard Senator Lummis from Wyoming it was, was leading the charge for the, the crypto bill. Um, that's been in the Senate over the last few years. So Wyoming's a little bit more progressive in the sense of they're trying to get ahead of where things are going. Wyoming created the LLC, was the first to create an LLC. Delaware took that idea and did a much better job marketing it. And Wyoming doesn't want to get left behind um, as as things go more more digital. Good. And so with with your deal overall, the, your opportunity zone deal, um, great tax advantages. It's a free port. It's an opportunity zone. It's a QSBS section 1202. Um, and you're getting exposure mostly to gold and silver. I think you said 90% of the assets of the business are essentially just in holding gold that, and silver precious metals. Is that right? That's, that's right. That's, and, that's and, our and then, and then, and then in addition to that, these, all these adjacent uh, services that the that the business is associated with the the drop shipping, um, the storage fees and and the yield that you're getting from from the uh, from from holding that gold and silver, right? Yep, you're you're right, and it's the exact same things that other banks like some of the ones we mentioned that they currently do. So we're just a private we're just a pri a private model of what's already being done. Um, so while this it seems kind of esoteric and really out there. This this has been going on for a long, long, long time. This is just now a really slick um, way for for regular individuals to be own and own the free port of the West. And so we are uh, a private Fort Knox, essentially, is another way to think about it. Um, and and we're just building it, you know, one step at a time. And and we're kind of excited. You know, I think people can be. Uh, people can get kind of excited about the idea of is it, it's obviously a private equity offering, but it almost feels like a hybrid ETF. Uh, but we're we're a real business. We're a real business, and 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 you know we hope to be around for a long, long time. Liquidity is one of the bigger things that I haven't I, I, I've neglected to mention. Um, liquidity is really interesting because as I looked at OZs, one of the one of the downsides is you're pretty much committed. Obviously, if you are an OZ, you're thinking 10 years, right? You're, you're thinking, I'm going to maximize my, my tax incentive here. But the reality is, is what happens if something in my life changes and I need access to that capital? Well, the reality is, is for most real estate deals, if you're in a shopping center, a big project, an apartment complex, it, it, you know, it's not easy to get out. You either have to wait until the property is sold or you find an investor to take out your position. And, and the, beauty, the beauty of, all, of the Wyoming Reserve is we offer, it's a two-year minimum hold. 
And at the end of each year, we send a letter out to our investors as, you know, if, if you want to get out, just let us know. Uh, once we strike, uh, our, our financials are audited and, you know, uh, people are able to sell out each year. And so we're able just to sell down our inventory. And so gold and silver is one of the easiest, most liquid assets in the world. It's it's a it's a it's a tier one asset and it's an easy thing to to buy and sell. So it's it's an easy as 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 money is coming in and out of our fund for for years and years and years, we're able to to offer that liquidity provision each and every year. You mentioned uh the terms esoteric and out there, and uh it is a little bit um, and it's definitely quite esoteric and out there for an opportunity zone deal, which is why I like it so much. It's so much different than a lot of the other deals that I see. It's a very interesting, unique application of the opportunity zone structure. You know, one other, by the way, I, I, I love real estate. We're not talking real estate today. And I, I hate to keep comparing this deal to real estate, but we, you know, one of the other downsides to uh, a, a real estate deal within an opportunity zone structure is the vast majority of the time. Uh, there's a construction period, you take on construction risk, and the thing doesn't even begin to cash flow until year three or year four, oftentimes when the when the asset is stabilized. What is the cash flow like on the Wyoming Reserve? I mean, when can an investor in your deal uh, start to expect some cash flow? Yeah, I think, you know, as, as we look at this, we have the opportunity, it, it could be year one. That it, depending on where the price of our inventory, if the, our inventory rises quite well, it's probably not too hard. Uh, I will say, you know, the goal is we really want to get this first fifty million in the door. That that's kind of our our table stakes for us to to be operating. And then as we enter into supply agreements with re mines and refineries, we're able to we're able to offer more value. Uh, as as we continue to grow, uh, the ability for us to make more more and more money off the business operation it becomes a lot a lot easier so it it could be a it literally, literally could be 2024 where we're cash flow positive it's possible um a lot of that depends on when's capital get in does our inventory obviously our investors want to be long the metal uh it, you know are are we are we down three percent or up three percent are we up we up double digits. I mean, obviously you can kind of see how um, it wouldn't be too difficult. And the, the beauty of, I think, Wyoming Reserve, it's not a heavy duty. We don't have a lot of salaries to handle. And actually um, uh, I'm, I'm handling the salaries until it's, until it's uh, profitable and it's paid out of a 2% management fee. Is, is how it's done. So really, there's no founders dilution in the in the normal sense of hey, you come into a deal and the founders own 50% of it or something like that. So the way this is really structured is more of a traditional hedge fund. It's a it's a two percent management fee, and then there's a performance metric. If if we're able to beat if we're able to beat a, a seven percent return, anything above that uh, is split uh, eighty to the to the investor, 20, 20 to the founders. So. I wanted to create something that was easy for people to get in and it provided liquidity on the way out if, the, if that's what they want, but it's a, it's a win-win. So if we can, if we can provide some nice returns here, I'd say near term, that's, that's my goal. That's our team's goal. We don't have, like I said, we're not a heavy duty. Um, it's just a you know a handful of employees um, that are able to run and manage the vault and, and, uh, and go from there. But, but with so much exposure to gold and silver, you're also, kind of uh uh beholden to the whims of the gold and silver market in in many cases as well right you, you are and but we do offer i would say we're a little different than just you know a good analogy would be is if, if you hired let's say you hired a new financial advisor and you said hey 
hey, Craig, advisor Craig, I'm going to give you a million bucks. And he's is he going to buy all your investments in one day? Or is he going to dollar cost average and 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 look look to position? He might love Apple stock or Amazon stock, but is he going to buy it all in one day? Or he's going to say, you know what, right now the risk isn't there. And so we would call that that's part of our uh, that's part of our our management of what we provide. So our, we have a chief investment officer that looks like if when money comes in, are we 50-50 gold silver? Are we 65-35? And it really depends on where is the price point. Um, are we scaling in? Are we while we want to be net long, are we going all in? Or are we going to go partially in this week, this day, and, and kind of kind of scale that in? And so this this is how you know money management is. You know, our our hope is that we can beat just the traditional. Hey, I just threw and bought it all in one day, and that's unfortunately that's what gold and silver traditionally have. If you're just buying an ETF or you're buying buying a bar, you really don't have an advisor kind of helping you through that. So we're our goal is we want to manage that as that cash comes in. Uh, we want to buy that inventory and manage that inventory and maximize it. Yes, in some ways, um, I think to borrow one of your analogies, you're you're an actively managed gold and silver key. ETF, essentially. Key. Actively yeah. manage is key. We're actively managing that inventory and we're providing, you know, extra services and fees for our storage business. And at the end of the day, like you said, we we will basically our success will be predicated on where gold and silver will go. Uh, this decade, and I think you know our our listeners could probably go and research, and 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 if people don't like that space, we're probably not for you. But if you're like, hey, this is a nice diversification element to what the banking financial sector, um, what could or couldn't happen in the in the in the real um, in real estate, uh, the the stock market, you know, there's a lot of uncertainties, uh, even you know global conflicts, the global war, uh, who knows what what can happen. So I think we. I don't I don't think people say hey, put 100% of your money in in this type of investment but you're going to probably see in the coming years more and more advisors are probably going to start recommending that people do put a decent percentage whether they're starting it at 5 10 or higher uh in into precious metals during this decade. This is going to be in my opinion this is this is a tough decade and and we've got in a, an incredible amount of headwinds and flashpoints uh to get through. Now, to your point, yeah, the decade started with a uh, once in a hundred years pandemic, and there's been a uh, war in Europe, and uh, we're barely four years in. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see what is to come over the over the uh, closing half of this decade. Um, but right. uh, who knows what's in store? Uh, right. Josh, it's been a pleasure getting your insights on gold and silver investing and uh, and opportunity zone investing as well very unique deal thank you so much for joining today before we go where can my audience go to learn more about you and the wyoming reserve if we have any investors listening or watching uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you yeah yeah check out our our website at the wyomingreserve.com and reach out to our um investment relations uh carrie davis send us an email and we can, you know, we've got we've got a nice portal um, that that people can come in, look at our look at our deck, um, look at our PPM, take a look at it, and then we've got a, a really good team of of, of people uh, to kind of work through work through all these different things. We've actually have uh, we've onboarded people that were in other OZs that weren't able to go anywhere. We had a uh, someone that was in a situation um, they were they were stuck 
in in an OZ that was no longer it wasn't viable with interest rates where it was at. So that money was just sitting there, and he's like, "Oh boy, I got I got to do something with this." So uh, that that money came over to us and 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 just just started to start to go. So we're 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 definitely willing to help you guys through. Um, you know, looking at this as a potential solution. Fantastic. Um, again, been a pleasure. And for my audience, uh, I'll have show notes available as I alluded to previously, as always at our website, you can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. I'll have links to all of the resources that Josh and I discussed on today's show. I'll try to find those, uh, those JP Morgan Chase gold vaults. Also I'll link to a couple articles there and please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platforms to always get the latest episodes. Josh, again, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much as well. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, you can find us online at opportunitydb.com. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. This podcast is available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and all other podcast listening platforms. Just hit that subscribe or follow button so you get all of our new episodes as we release them. And we'll be back soon with another exciting episode. <laughs>